This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. So we'll be starting off with the fact that healing is always God's will for the sick. Now, the major hang-up that sick people have when it comes to receiving healing is that they are not sure that their healing is God's will. That's the greatest problem. Somewhere at, people, at the back of people's minds is the thought that, well, maybe God is trying to use this to teach me a lesson. Well, maybe God sent it for some special reason. Well, we don't know what God is using it to do. And um, sometimes it's not the people's fault. It's uh, often the result of some of the things we've heard expounded from the pulpit. But what does God's word have to say about this? Now, we know that faith begins where the will of God is known. And if we don't know what God's will is about healing, we can exercise any intelligent faith to appropriate it. Now, the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to know what God's word has to say. And that's what's going to build faith in our hearts. The word of God is the will of God. You know, to talk about a man's will, you know, his last testament and will. A fellow who's about to die puts his will in place. Well, what's Jesus' last testament and will? We have it in written form. The word of God. So we'll just examine what it has to say on this subject. James chapter 1 from verse 5 to 8. James 1, 5 to 8. The Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives liberally to all men and upbraids not. He doesn't find fault. The Bible says, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything wisdom or anything else which will include healing of the lord a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways so you see if he's to ask for his healing he's to ask in faith and if he's to ask in faith uh, without wavering then he needs to be sure what god's will is about it in first john 5 14 and 15 bible says and this is the confidence that we have in him what is that confidence that if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us and if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So if you're praying and you don't know that God hears you, he didn't. Amen. Now, uh, the religious cop-out on that is that folks go ahead to pray. And if the answer comes, then they say it was God's will. If the answer doesn't come, you know, maybe by the next day or something, then they say it wasn't God's will. No, that's not what that scripture is saying. Before we pray at all, we need to know what God's will is about the issue. Amen. John 15, 7, it says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, says, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So God's word is God's will. So we want to examine what the word of God has to say about divine healing. Whether or not healing is God's will. And I don't mind telling you, healing is always the will of God. For every single person who is sick, whether he be a saint or he be a sinner, God wants him healed all the same. Amen. Now, um, we could give several reasons, but I'm going to give seven cardinal reasons, seven major reasons why we can know that we know that we know that healing is always God's will for the sick. Well, first, reason number one, healing is always God's will for the sick 
Because it is in his redemptive plan. Healing is always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. Healing is always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. Now turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Sometimes you do people an injustice just quoting all these things. It's good to read it up and see it in your own Bible for yourself. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5. It says, Surely he hath borne our griefs. And the Hebrew word for griefs, there is the word koli, which literally means sicknesses or diseases. And carried our sorrows. The word sorrows, there is the word makob. Makob, that's the Hebrew word. Literally means pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Amen. This was about 750 years before Jesus showed up. Isaiah was prophesying about the coming Messiah. And the work he was going to do. The work of man's redemption. And then he begins to speak by the spirit of God. About the fact that Jesus was going to be our sins he was going to carry our sins but not only was he going to take our sins he was going to take our sicknesses too amen matthew referred to this in matthew chapter 8 verse 17 says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Why did he take them so we don't have to take them? Why did he bear them so we don't have to bear them? He carried them. He took them. He was our substitute. Those things were laid on him. You see, it wasn't what the angry mob did. It wasn't what the Roman soldiers did. It was what God himself did. He put our sins on Jesus. He put our diseases on Jesus. He dealt with Jesus in awful justice. Jesus bore them. It was an actual substitution. It was a vicarious sacrifice. He took it in our stead. Now, I remember the, my mom used to be particular, but my dad too, never wanted any of um, their kids to take stuff that belonged to someone else. Now, you are that way too, isn't it? And your parents must have been that way too. You don't want to have something that's someone else's. If you hold on to something that's not your own but belongs to someone else, what do we call people like that? Thieves. Now, question, are you a thief? Or you want to start being a thief? No, you're not a thief. Praise God. Now, if he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and you have some infirmity on your body, is it your own? He took your own. And what are you doing with the devil's own? You need to get rid of it. Because he took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. And he took it as our substitute. He carried it in our stead. Listen, it's just as easy to get healed as it is to get saved. Just as easy. Just as easy. We don't have to complicate divine healing. See, because God wants to heal you of cancer, he doesn't need to go and do 50 push-ups. You know? Say, God, what are you doing? Well... There's one of these my sons or one of these my daughters battling cancer. I want to heal her. I want to heal him. And then I'm doing some exercise. 
I'm doing some push-ups, you know. I'm, I'm gymming some so that my biceps and my triceps will be in shape, you know. You know, my word always talks about the hand of the Lord. That hand, I want to stretch it out and heal her. So I need it to be very strong. My friend, cut the, cut, just, just stop that. That's, even the thought is asinine. Listen, God does not have a power problem. Are you listening to me? Healing is in the redemptive plan. It's in the redemptive plan. It's in the redemptive plan. Peter, looking back at what had happened, he said in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self, you see, he didn't send an angel to do it, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. By whose stripes ye were healed. Let me tell you, that's not a promise. It's not. It's a statement of fact. The truth is God is not going to heal you. Why do I say so? He already has. You know, sometimes folks are saying, oh God, how come this thing is still on my body? Oh God, how come this is on my body? Oh God, do something about it. You know what God is saying? Son, how come it's still on your body? Daughter, how come it's still on your body? You do something about it. By his stripes, we were healed. By his stripes, we were healed. You know, sometimes we've all seen it. Oh, such and such. A dedicated, devoted man of God, 42, of a, a heart problem or stuff like that. And then somebody says, well, if healing was always God's will for the sick, that man wouldn't have died at such a tender age of that disease. And then somebody else comes and says, no, my neighbor, he was really believing God. He trusted God. He believed God. He did everything. And lo and behold, died at 37. Died of such and such and such. Well, I may not have known your neighbor. I may not have known that preacher. But I tell you who I know, I know God. I know his word. And his word says Jesus took our infirmities. His word says Jesus bore our diseases. Now, we don't always know why some people don't receive their healing. We don't always know. Just like we don't always know why some people refuse to receive their salvation. You know? Uh, if healing was always God's will for the sick, everybody will be healed. Well, if salvation was always God's will for the lost, everybody will be saved. Makes the same sense to think that way. Because the same redemptive work that dealt with the sin problem dealt with the sickness problem. Why didn't they receive their healing? I don't know. The sacred things belong to the Lord. Those that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Now, when we say that, we're not saying God has some secret reason why he doesn't want them healed. No. It's that why they did not receive their healing. If God wanted us to know, he'll tell us. See, Scott Webb. Scott Webb's dad, he was ill in the hospital. He'll go to meet him and then his dad will tag along, speak the word. You know, by his stripes I'm healed. I'm standing on God's word. And then, to his utter amazement, his daddy died. After his daddy died of that condition, he was shocked. What happened? We were in faith here. But what went on? I was with him. He was with me. We were believing God together about this thing. You know, while he was trying to figure that out, the dad's lawyer called him sometime after and said, well, I need to tell you something. There's something you need to know. Well, you know, your daddy was battling such and such a condition. Yes. Uh, and you used to go to visit him in the hospital. He said, yes. He said, well, I'll tell you something, a conversation I had with him. Any of those times after you leave, he'll call me. He'll say, my son just left. He's endeavoring to get me to believe God. And I know that if I don't humor him and go along with him, he won't let me be. So I am. 
But the man said, you see, uh, that he's going to die shortly. And this and this and this are the things he wants done. Now, somebody will see that and say, that man believed God. But did the person know everything that really happened? Now, we don't always know why people don't receive their healing. One day, John G. Lake in South Africa, you know, was uh, a missionary in South Africa from 1907 to 1912. In five years, he established 625 churches. He had 100,000 converts. And that was way back then, in five years. Well, he was coming from the funeral of a young preacher. I was just coming from the man's funeral. And he was having a conversation with the Lord. Lord, why did you let him die? He was such a, a, a wonderful man of God. He believed your word. He was serving you faithfully. Why did you let him die? And then he was driving his car. And on the inside of him, just like a witness, he felt the Lord tell him, move your car to the other side of the road, the wrong side of the road. He didn't pay attention. He continued driving. And he was still talking with the Lord. Lord, why did you let him die? He was such a great man of God. Why did you let him die? He heard it the second time. He didn't pay attention to it. That happened about... Uh, another time and then about the fourth time around it was the audible authoritative voice of the holy ghost move your car to the other side of the road do it now then he did just about the time he got there a truck that had lost control now came in the horizon and just came to the very place where he was before the very lane the very side of the road he was before and then the lord said to him you see if you had not moved your car to the other side of the road truck will have hit you you will have died and somebody will have been coming from your funeral saying oh god why did you let lake die but he believed you and he said i see it anytime something goes wrong it was never on god's side god never misses it god never fails to keep his word i'd rather die and go to hell than say i acted on the word of god and it didn't work if you can act on god's word and for it not to work god will cease to be god you see, the Bible says, seeing there was none greater to swear by, he swore by himself to Abraham, saying, surely in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thee. What he was saying is this, if I fail to keep my word, I will self-destruct. You see, his very throne is back of it. God's word has integrity. He's not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, 19. Not the son of man that he should repent. As he said it, and shall he not do it? Has he spoken it and shall he not make it good? Jeremiah 1.12 said, I hasten over my word to perform it. The American Standard Version of that says, I watch over my word to perform it. You see, healing is always God's will for the sick. Settle it. Case closed. The Bible says it. I believe it. And that settles it. Regardless of Brother A's experience. Regardless of Sister B's story. Regardless of Brother C's uh, what, what they read or what they heard or what they were told regardless of that I choose to believe the word of God healing is God's will for us because it is in his redemptive plan see the Bible says in the matter of two or three witnesses let every word be established doesn't, doesn't it uh, if you're counting Isaiah and Matthew as one witness because Matthew was quoting Isaiah so Isaiah 53 4 and 5 and Matthew 8 17 you could count it as just one witness and then 1 Peter 2 24 becomes the second so that's two witnesses. Now, if you're counting them as separate witnesses, as Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, then that's three witnesses. So we could say that's two or three witnesses. And that establishes it, that healing is always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. It is in his redemptive plan. He bore our sins. In the same way, he carried our diseases. Why did he? take our sins so we don't have to take them why did he take our 
diseases so we don't have to take them. Amen. He was our substitute. Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, Deuteronomy 28, if you read from verse 1 to verse 14, you see there the promises, the blessings for keeping God's law. You see, Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14. And then if you read from verse 15 to verse 68, God, in talking to Israel, now told them, he said, if you don't obey my word, all these curses will come upon you. Now, is it God? Them? No. God is just saying, if you stay under the protective umbrella of my word, the devil will not be able to get at you. But if you leave the protective umbrella of my, wor of my word, you are over in the devil's territory. And he could make means meet of you. And all these are the things that you make yourself susceptible to. So the curses for breaking God's law, we see them. Deuteronomy 28 from verse 15 to 68. Now, among them, if you go through that list, you'll discover that 11 disease conditions are specifically mentioned. 11 of them. Madness, blindness, skin disease that can't be healed, tuberculosis, that's consumption. 11 are specifically mentioned. Then in Deuteronomy 28.61, Deuteronomy 28.61, the Bible says also every sickness and every plague that is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord permit to be brought upon you until you be destroyed. Now if I say, um, people, the three people on this side of the hall, one, two, three, and everybody else that's in this room, what have I just said? Or if I say, the 11 people who are here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, those 11, and everybody else. Well, that's everybody that's in the room, isn't it? So, God listed 11. He now said also everyone that's not listed. So, these 11 and the other ones I didn't list, you open up yourself to if you break God's word. It's a punishment that you subject yourself to by violating God's word, isn't it? So, we could say, according to Deuteronomy 28, 61, that every sickness and every disease is a part of the curse of the law, right? The punishment for breaking God's law. But... We read in Galatians 3.13 where the Bible says that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. So that, that's another, uh, another proof that healing is in redemption. It's in redemption. The word curse, there's the word katara. The word redeem is ex agorazo. He has taken us under from out of the punishment for breaking God's law. So we don't have to be sick. Sickness is not God's will. Amen. He doesn't want us sick. Sickness is not a blessing. It's a curse. Now what amuses me is this. Some people come, they say, well, I tried to pray, you know, but I didn't get my healing. So my healing must not be God's will. And then right after saying that, they go to the hospital and they try to get the doctor to get them out of God's will. I thought you said your healing isn't God's will. So why are you trying to get it? Why are you going to the hospital? Why are you listening to the doctor? Why are you taking those precautions? Why are you doing those things the doctor said do? I thought if healing was in God's will, you want to be in God's will, right? So you ought to pray, oh God, send more sickness so I can be in the very center. Now, this is just one little sickness. I'm just in the periphery of your will. I want to get into the very center of it. All those incurable conditions, all those ones that, you know, that are terminal. Send them on, Lord. Shouldn't that be how they pray? Why they don't pray like that? Because they know that doesn't make sense. Amen. It's in his redemptive plan. It's in his redemptive plan. 
It's in his redemptive plan. It's in his redemptive plan. It's in his redemptive plan. We read in Exodus chapters 11 and 12. We read about how Israel, they had been in captivity in Egypt. They were in a place called Goshen. And then um, God had done staggering signs. But yet this fellow Pharaoh wasn't going to let God's people go. So there was going to be this last one. And um, they were to take a lamb without blemish. They were to slaughter that animal. And then sprinkle the blood on the lintel of their houses and on the side posts. Then they were to roast it with unleavened bread that night. And while they were eating, they were to have their sandals on and their belts girded and ready to move. Which they did. And when that happened, there was the Lord's Passover. An emissary of death passed through the land. Everywhere the blood had been applied, that emissary of death passed over that place. Every firstborn in Egypt, from Pharaoh to the servants, from um, humans to animals, livestock, all firstborns were gone. But not a dog wagged, wagged its tail against any Israelite. Amen. Who was under the protective of that Passover lamb? Are you listening? Psalm 105 verse 37 says that God brought them forth with silver and with gold. It says, and there was not one feeble person. Psalm 105 verse 37. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now we're told there were 600,000 footmen. If there were 600,000 footmen, I dare say, there might have been as many as 2 million people. And not one single person was sick. As a result of partaking of that Passover meal, the messenger of death passed them over. Now 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Are you listening to me? Oh, healing is in redemption. 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 Why? Christ is my Passover. His blood was shed. Praise God. He died for me. He was raised from the dead. I've taken him as my Savior, confessed him as my Lord. And I take advantage of the blood. Amen. Amen. The emissary of death, who's the devil? He could pass over the place. He could move all over the place. Any place he wants to, he's got to pass me over. Why? Because the blood has been applied. I take advantage of that blood. And of what's mine because of the finished work of redemption. Ephesians 1.7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. See, we have an actual redemption from the devil's dominion. Amen. Healing is God's will. Always God's will. Always God's will. 100 times out of 100. A thousand times out of a thousand. Uh, a, a million times out of a million. A billion times out of a billion. A trillion times out of a trillion. Healing is always God's will for the sick. Whether that sick person is, a, is, is saved or is a sinner, healing is still God's will for him. God wants him well. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, right? So salvation belongs to the whole world. Belongs to everybody. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. 2 Peter 3.9 But he's long-suffering towards the word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2.4 For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So Jesus died for our sins so that all men could be saved. In the same way, he died for our diseases so that all men could be healed. So healing is always the will of God because it is in his redemptive plan. Now we see something also, still, 
on this same point. In John 3, 14, John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus said something that as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, he said, even so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Just the way Moses lifted up the brass serpent. Now, um, what was Jesus referring to when he said that? Well, he was referring to the people he was talking to, they knew what he was talking about. Something had happened with Israel. They were murmuring, murmuring against God. You know, murmuring and murmuring and murmuring. Those guys who are good at murmuring, very good at it. Stories in Numbers 21 from verse 4 to 9. And then um, complaining and all that. And as they did, serpents began to bite them. Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9. And then they cried to, to God. When to meet Moses, oh, we're sorry, we shouldn't have done that. And then Moses looked to God. And God said, all right, this is the deal. Take a pole and then make a serpent of brass. Use brass to mold a serpent. And put it on that pole and lift it up. Whoever is beaten by the snake, if they will and fix their gaze on that serpent on the pole, they will live. If you check any college of medicine in this country, hospitals, you see there in their logo, you see a pole, you see a serpent. That's where it came from. Amen. See, Jesus was the serpent on the pole. Brass is a type of sin. The serpent is a type of the devil. On the cross, Jesus identified with us and he took on on himself Everything that sin, spiritual death, and Satan had made man. So if we will keep our focus, if we will look to Jesus and to that finished work of redemption, we will live. He won't die. We will be healed. Amen. You see, that's redemption. That's a type of redemption. The Passover animal too, in Exodus 11 and 12, that's a type. Jesus is the anti-type. He's the real deal. That was shadow. This is substance. If they had healing in the shadow, how much more do we have healing in the reality? It's ours. Always God's will. Always God's will. Always God's will. See, the purpose of this class is to get you healed. Amen. If you will apply yourself and listen intently with your spirit. Amen. Pay attention to what's said. Listen, by the end of the class, you look for your, the sickness and you won't find it. You see, the Bible says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Amen. There's healing power in God's word. There's healing power in God's word. And God wants us well. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6, still talking about the fact that healing is always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. It says, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, the same price that bought your spirit bought your body. And we are to glorify God in our bodies. Now, what do you think of a Christian who is practicing prostitution? What do you think of that? She's not glorifying God in her body, right? Or who's a gigolo? He's not glorifying God in his body, right? Now, there isn't much difference between such a one and the Christian also who is permissive about sickness in their body. They are guilty of the same thing. They are not glorifying God in their body. When we start seeing sickness that way, then we are ready to make business and to take what is ours. 
sometimes we pally up with some of this stuff. You know, hear people petting their sickness. And see that my asthma. You see, I've had it. My asthma. My asthma. My friend, shut up. Jesus took your asthma. Amen. The same price that bought our spirit, bought our bodies. A body wasted away with sickness. A body wasted away with disease. Doesn't bring God any glory. He wants us well. He wants us well. He wants us well. He wants us well. I'm glad I got a hold of some of these truths early. I decided long ago that I'm going to live my life out without sickness or disease. And at a good old age, I'll just fall asleep in Jesus without sickness or disease if he tarries is coming. I don't mind telling you I haven't had a headache in, in decades. I haven't had malaria in decades. Yes, I've been attacked in body because I live in a world where the devil is God. But God has enabled me to stay healthy for decades. And it's going to stay that way. Amen. Amen. Because that's what the word of God says. It's my right. I refuse to be denied. It's my gospel right. It's my redemptive right. It's my covenant right. It's my blood-bought right. It's my fundamental human right. You get rid of that stuff. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's not giving God any glory. It's contraband items. What do you think of a Christian who, who deals in coke? He's handling contraband. It's peddling stuff. He shouldn't be peddling. Stop peddling stuff. You shouldn't be peddling. Now, I'm not, I'm not condemning you for being sick. You may not have known better. Some stuff could have been hereditary and all that. But now you know. If you now don't do something about it, then it's, you are the one that's responsible. Amen. I'm not trying to condemn you, no. But I'm trying to get you out of it. So Smith Wigglesworth used to say this. He'll say that, look, I've got a message from heaven that won't leave you the way I met you. He said, if I leave you the way I met you, I'm not a servant of God. He said, it'll either make you mad, make you sad, or make you glad. I want to make some of you mad. Mad enough to get rid of sickness from your body. Amen. Healing is God's will. Always God's will. Because it is in his redemptive plan. Jesus took our sins just like he took our diseases. He carried our pains. And why did he take them? So we don't have to take them. So we don't have to take them. He was my substitute. He wasn't a Messiah. He was a substitute. He died in my stead. He suffered in my place. So that I can be healthy. So that you can be healthy. Healing is an accomplished fact. Already accomplished. Belongs to us in Christ. Amen. Always God's will. Always God's will. Romans 8, 11, Still on that same point. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Well, somebody said that's talking about, you know, at the rapture, at the resurrection. No, it couldn't be. Our bodies will not be mortal in the grave. They will be dead. Mortal means death doomed. It's the Greek word netos. If it was, if it was uh, our dead bodies, it would have been necrosis. It wasn't necrosis that was used. It's netos, which was always used for bodies that are still alive. So he's talking about here and now. Besides, there won't be sickness during the millennium. There won't be disease. There won't be anything for him to quicken your body from. You see, Romans 8, 11 is talking about now. One of the reasons of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is to make life in your body. That word quicken is a compound Greek word, zopoi, say, from two words, zoe and poi. 
Zoe is the life of God, the nature of God. Poe is to make. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you to make life in that body. To make life. He will engulf the sickness with life. He will impart the life of God, the strength of God, the ability of God, the agility of God into that death-doomed body of ours. Yes, if Jesus Tyrus is coming, we have an appointment with death. But you don't have to die young. Amen. God wants us to live long. And then when it's time to die, you don't have to die of sickness. That fellow said, he said, whether by life or by death, Paul, in Philippians 1.20, said that Christ may be magnified in my body. Romans 8.2 says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. See, there's a principle of sin and death that Adam set into motion in the Garden of Eden when he disobeyed God. And that's what brings sickness. That's what brings disease. But there's another principle that Jesus set into motion when he died for us and was raised from the dead. The principle of life. And that principle is at work in the recreated spirit. Exempting us from the dominion of sickness. The dominion of disease. When Lake was in South Africa, there was an outbreak of the bubonic plague. It was airborne. The British to send a corps of doctors to help cater for the dead, you know, and the, 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 the sick. And then Lake was helping out. And um, they noticed that they were using all kinds of stuff because the stuff was airborne, you know, to prevent themselves from catching it. But he wasn't using anything. So they asked him, they said, aren't you afraid you, you'll get this stuff? He said, I'm not. He said, look, this thing is highly contagious. You could catch it. He told them, I said, if this will help you. See, Lake had a background in science. He said, we could do a little experiment. He said, take the froth that comes from the mouth of someone who has just died of the plague. They did. He said, take it under a microscope. They took it under the microscope. They saw there were germs, teams of living germs moving around. And he said, all right, let's do something. I'll put the same germs, the same froth, I'll put it on my hands. And then we'll go under the microscope. He put the froth on his hands, same froth. Went under the microscope. The germs were dead. They were dead. They were amazed. What caused that? He said it was Romans 8 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That as long as I walk in the light of that law of life, no disease can successfully attach itself to my body. You see, healing is always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. Because it is in his redemptive plan. See, we have to get strong about what is ours. Jesus went through all that trouble to make some things available to me. Well, I'm going to take all of it. All of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. Amen. You see, in our faith camp, we need to get stronger about some of these truths. Stronger about some of these truths. If Jesus provided it, he didn't put it on a lock and key. Yeah. I used to hear Brother Higgin, the man will say, well, it's been 40 years, I haven't been sick. 50 years, I haven't been sick. 60 years, I haven't been sick. 69 years. And I told myself, I said, Jesus died for me just like he died for him. Amen. God is not anymore his father than he's my father. He didn't give them the real righteousness in America. By the time he got to Africa, the real had finished. So he gave us the fake. No. God is no respect our persons. His word will work for anybody who will dare to act on it. Amen. Praise God. So healing is always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. 
It is in his redemptive plan. Well, second reason why healing is always God's will for the sick. Reason number one, healing is always God's will for the sick because it is in his redemptive plan. Reason number two, reason number two. Well, let's hear it after the break. The bell just went off. Healing is always God's will for the sick because sickness and disease come from the devil. We'll pick up from there after the break. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.